0: All right. I have been doing live broadcasting since about one o'clock this afternoon. My voice is almost gone. Two hours this morning, about three hours this afternoon, one more hour left. Maybe I can make it. Maybe now, then probably one more hour around midnight. So, probably two more hours. But okay, if I can make it. All right. The for the Bible study exercise for the podcast, we have started a probably about a six-week study of what's called pneumatology, or the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Um, we have, so far, what I've given everyone to do is a topical study, which people are working on, and those listening online, they a lot of people have asked me how long do they have. They have the end of the six weeks to do the topical study, because I know there's no way to do that in a week, and a lot of people were worried that they were going to have to turn it in in a week. And So for those, just get it in within six weeks, and you're good to go, because right, it's a big undertaking. For here, what we have done is we looked at the Bible dictionary and we looked at what it had to say in regards to the Holy Spirit. And it really wasn't that helpful, in my opinion, all right? Because typically what happens, any discussion of the Holy Spirit, any discussion of the Holy Spirit, almost immediately goes to what it does in, through, And for us. It almost always turns into something like this. The Holy Spirit empowers us. Everyone says that. Nobody can really define, okay, well, how much power do we get and how come that power is not good enough to make us sinless? So therefore, there's a limit to said power. But if there's a limit to said power, is the limit of the power because of me or because of God? And if you say it's because of me, then the Spirit of God is not powerful enough to overcome me. So, therefore, I'm more powerful than the Holy Spirit. There's just never-ending questions here, right? But it's always like power, 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 power. Or, if it's not power, what's the other thing that everyone's like? The Holy Spirit does this. The Holy Spirit does this. It almost always goes to, helps us understand the Scriptures, lead us into all truth, illuminates us. Well, if it does, we get 2,000 years of church history. It doesn't work, Right? We can't. We have enough a difficult time agreeing on an outline, right? Much less what the actual verse says in the Bible, right? We, we have we have major disagreements. I mean, I, I spent three hours this afternoon. All I did was talk about Jude. Uh, no matter how many books or how many sermons I look at, I'm still just blown away or baffled that everyone ignores the reason for the book. It says to exhort people to contend, and it always turns into, don't follow the false teachers or you're going to be destroyed. And I'm like, that's not what the book says. And so if we all have the Holy Spirit they should be able to see the same thing that the text actually says, okay? that They should be able to see that, but clearly it doesn't work that way. So if it's illuminating, it's not illuminating very good. The, the light went out, right? If it's leading us into all truth, the GPS is broken. If it's empowering us, the power, the battery is dead, all right? some. So, but that's where everyone goes. And once you, once you leave that, I don't know what people do. They're like, I don't know, because the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I mean, every sermon you hear, the Holy Spirit empowers you. The Holy Spirit empowers you. Before you become a Christian, you could not say no to sin. Now that you have the Holy Spirit, you can not only say no to sin, you can overcome sin. You can stop sinning. See the small print. However, you can't be sinless. Well, that just defeated what you just said. It's maddening talking about the Holy Spirit. It's just maddening. So I don't I, I, I don't like the subject because it's so maddening and because there's so much disagreement. And another reason I don't like the subject is not because there's so much disagreement. It's just because it's so just hard to know exactly what to do because there's some passages of scripture that seem to indicate some of the things people say. So then on one hand, you can't just be dismissive of it. So it's not a subject I would have chosen, but it's the chosen, it's the subject the curriculum chose. And you know how I love that. I like, that's why I like the lectionary. I like curriculum. That's why I liked Bible college or seminary because I didn't get to choose. And I like to be forced to deal with something that like my favorite thing to do in Bible college was we'd walk in Saturday morning, eight o'clock. There'd be a bowl up on the pulpit. You reach in, you grab it. Got a piece of paper, it gave you a scripture, you had to go to another part of the church, you had a couple of hours to work on it, and you had to come back with an outline and a sermon. And if your outline wasn't any good, then your sermon was already, you already failed, right? And I love that, just put me on the spot, because I can outline anything. Do it, I, I love that, right? So I love being forced to figure it out. The problem is we've got to be forced to figure something out that everyone online is going to disagree with. But that's okay. my. And this is what I want to say to everyone. As we study the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, if you believe the Holy Spirit's empowering you, if you believe the Holy Spirit's enlightening you, and you believe all of that, congratulations. If you want to argue with me, argue with me. But you just you just you just show me that you have the power to stop sinning and that you can understand the Bible better than anyone else because you've got God giving you the interpretation. I don't, and I clearly don't have the power to stop sinning because I keep sinning. So if you have convinced yourself that you've got more power than someone who doesn't and you've got more knowledge than those who don't, that's uh, congratulations. There's no reason to argue with me. You're the superior one. I'm the inferior one. And we'll just leave it at that. I mean, there's nothing I can do. I mean, you know what? I mean, mean, that's that's congratulations. Now, when everything comes falling apart in your life, then you'll have to answer (laughs) to why it all went bad, because you've got the Holy Spirit. So what we're going to do is try to approach this. And again, the only reason I went through the dictionary, just to show you, what it almost immediately went to what? What it does, what it does. And even that was very hard to even follow. So what we're going to do is we're going to go to a book that I had to use in seminary. It was the textbook. And it's Wilmington's Guide to the Bible. One of the seminaries I went to. And I had to take an entire semester on pneumatology or the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. We're going to use that and see where it goes, okay? Now, for those listening online doing the topical method, just keep doing the topical method, all right? But I, we're going to start someplace that's not in this. Well, we're going to start in the book, leave the book, and then come back to the book, all right? Everyone go to Acts chapter 19, verse 2. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. This was how we started the semester on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 19, verse 2. If I remember correctly, I'm hoping, I hope I remember correctly. If I'm wrong, this is going to be a bad start. All right, no, I'm right. All right. Uh, Acts chapter 19, starting verse 1. Everybody there? Acts chapter 19, verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Now, they use this to demonstrate that there in the early church, there was great ignorance about the Holy Ghost and what it was or not. And that what they tried to demonstrate was that the same is true in the church today. Now, I don't think the problem today is that anybody's like, I've never heard of the Holy Ghost. I think the problem today is everyone has heard of the Holy Ghost but everyone assumes that they know what it supposedly does even if in many cases you're confronted with a stark reality that it clearly can't be doing what you claim because if it did, everything would be different. For example, as I've already stated, if he's leading us into all truth, there should not be thousands and thousands and thousands of Protestant denominations where no one agrees. If he's leading us into all truth, how many commentaries should there be? One. And it should be the one that came from the Holy Spirit and right. We should all be in agreement. It doesn't ever work that way, right? And if we have power, we should stop sinning. So there is great ignorance about the Holy Spirit. Not that and that we haven't heard. I think that we are just confused by what it does and doesn't do. And maybe what we do it's claimed promises about the Holy Spirit that's not for us, but it was for specific people and what the Holy Spirit would do in and through them. For example, if the promise to lead them into all truth was for the apostles, and they were the ones moved by the Holy Spirit to write Scripture, and if we believe Scripture is true then that prophecy was fulfilled. He led them into all truth, produced all truth. That ministry is over. Where do we find truth? Here, and we don't have some special power, obviously, to understand it, because if we did, we would all understand it. Does that make sense? So, that that is how we started, is that, hey, there's ignorance, and so by the time this class is over, all of our ignorance is going to be gone. It didn't really work that way, but they still got my money. Okay, right? Or the government's money, okay? But they still got money. So we're going to try to figure out what to do. So here we go. First thing I think we have to do. If you have the Westminster Confession of Faith in the Trinity Hymnal, you can grab that since that's probably the one everyone has near them. The Westminster Confession of Faith in the back. Find the chapter dealing with the Trinity, All right? If you find it first, tell me cuz I've got a different I've got the London Baptist up here, so I'll just turn to the same thing. So if you find it first. 849 of God and of the Holy Trinity. All right? Everybody see that? Okay, now we could go through the first couple of paragraphs, but I don't want us to get bogged down. Go to, where do we want to go here? Go to paragraph three. And what do you see in paragraph three? In the unity of the Godhead, there be what? Three persons. All right. So immediately, when we refer to the Holy Spirit, we know we're referring to a person, right? Has personhood. Does everybody see that? In the unity of God, there will be three persons of one substance, power, and eternity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. So we have have the the personhood or the personality of the Holy Spirit, and we have the divinity of the Holy Spirit because it's referred to as what in the Westminster? God the Holy Ghost. There's the deity, right? Everybody see that? The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father. The Holy Ghost eternally proceeding from the Father and of the Son. So the Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit has, is a person. And then the Holy Spirit eternally proceeds from the Father. That's a basic understanding. Understanding the Holy Spirit in light of the Trinity. I just wanted us just to get that basic element down. So we know what we're going to deal with here, okay? Now, this is how we started our study in seminary, or one seminary, all right? Everybody ready? Okay, here we go. The first thing they want us to look at is the personality of the Holy Spirit. The personality of the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know if I'm going to give every single scripture, because I mean, literally... You know, like we could take a week on a week of of, of daily classes to do all of this. So I'm, some of this I'm going to have to proceed through rapidly. So if you have a question, let me know. But let's see what we can do. All right. So the I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's Wilmington's guide that, that I'm utilizing. Okay. All right. Here we go. So we start with the personality. This is how the textbook reads. The personality, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is a person. As much as the Father and Son are persons, and therefore experiences all the sinless elements as involved within a divine personality. It's a person. Now, why is that significant? Just from a practical perspective or a theological perspective, why is it important to understand the Holy Spirit is a person? Okay, I think that, that's kind of going in the direction. The main thing is because we don't want to reduce it to just a mindless force. It's not Star Wars, right? The force is with us, the force is around us, the force is in, in us. We tap into the force and then we grab, we have some ability and we have some power. If I can grab the force, I can move something with my mind. Right? No, it's not, a, it's not a force, it's a person, third person of the Trinity, all right? Does that make sense? All right? Now they're going to do what they can to ad- to prove that. All right, and they're going to give us how many different characteristics to show that he's a person. Let me see here. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine different things they're going to give us to show us. That he has a personhood. Uh, we're not going to be able to look up every one of these scriptures, okay? So just because I, I because I don't want this to turn into six months. So some of these I may just give you the reference. Now I the always just anyone listening because you know I hate doing this. I don't like to give a reference and then verify that reference because sometimes a book gives a reference and then you look at the reference and what do you find? Eh, it doesn't really work. So. In these case, if I don't, if we don't read the reference, everyone listening online, verify the reference. If it doesn't work, throw out the reference. If you cannot find a scripture that proves it, throw out the point. Okay? Does that make sense? Okay, here we go. The first thing they want us to know is that he has a mind. All right, they quote Romans 9, 20, 80, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 27. It says, he and he that searcheth the hearts knoweth what is in the mind of the spirit because he maketh intercession for the saints according to the will of God. The first he in the verse is a reference to the son of God as seen in verse 34 of Romans 8. Well, the second he refers to the Holy Spirit himself. What a t- fantastic truth is seen here for the believer enjoys the intercessory ministry of both the Son and the Holy Spirit. But, he, but the, the, what's in the mind of the Spirit is the idea that he has a mind. Has a mind. Which is the idea of, person, of personhood, right? Has a mind. Can think. Can understand. Can reason. Right? Does that make sense? All right. Uh, second... So that's that's uh, he has a mind Romans eight twenty seven. I'm not saying that's a perfect verse to prove that, but okay, all right. Um, you can you can you can do what you want with these. Number two, he searches out the human mind, First Corinthians two ten. But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And the verse just prior to this. 1 Corinthians 2 9, Paul paraphrases from Isaiah 64 4 and writes, But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. All right, now, the bottom line here it is the Holy Spirit that searcheth out things. He searcheth out things or searcheth out what is in the mind. Showing personhood, showing Action showing thought showing understanding. Does that make sense? Yes. No. Okay. Good. I hope so. All right. Third, he has a will. All right. First Corinthians twelve eleven. But all these worketh that one and the self same Spirit dividing to every man severally, severally as his as he wills or as he will first corinthians 12 11. all right it is the spirit that divides out the spiritual gifts according to what his will whose will the will of the holy spirit he has a will he has a mind he searches out things that's not a mindless force does that make sense okay it's not a mindless force now this becomes important because the more we know what the we the more we know what the spirit does and can do then the more we have to begin to think about we can't start making excuses why somehow it doesn't do, do this or do that then we have to understand maybe our understanding of what he does and when he does it is 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 misunderstood. Uh, they say this about 1 Corinthians 12:11. This is a reference to the various spiritual gifts with the Holy Spirit and parts to believers. As he determines, he has a will; he exercises that. Right next, he forbids. Acts sixteen verses six through seven, and I'm quoting now. When they had gone uh, th- through a, a certain region, certain areas of Galatia, and were for and listen, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. To preach the word in Asia, after they were come, and then it names some other places. But please note that they were forbidden of the Holy Ghost. Acts sixteen six through seven, right? And then they were going to go into uh, another area, but the Spirit suffered them not. Again, that's Acts sixteen six through seven. Here, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were prohibited from going to two possible mission fields by the Spirit. He forbid them. He forbade them. He stopped them. All right? Now, immediately we know, okay, well, wait a minute. This shows personality, but it also would demonstrate maybe he worked a little differently at that point in time, right? Because then we'd have to say, well, does the Holy Spirit say stop, stop, stop? Now, some people try to claim that he does, you, you, that becomes a very subjective thing, is it the Holy Spirit, or is it just a feeling right so that but here it 's very specific. He forbade them, He stopped them okay he well, it shows authority well, but okay, but he forbids next he permits acts sixteen ten and after he had seen the vision immediately, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, a surely gathering that the Lord had called us. For to preach the gospel unto them. This explains the reason for the previous pro- prohibition. Now, it doesn't say the Spirit there, so I don't like this one, but what they're doing is they're like in, in verses 6 and 7, it was the Holy Spirit that prohibited, right? They were prohibited and, and forbidden by the Holy Spirit in chapter 16, verse 6 through 7. And chapter 16, verse 10 they were then endeavored to go to Macedonia that the Lord had called them. Now, it doesn't say the Spirit, but it demonstrates that if the Spirit was the one forbidding them, then what they're arguing is that it would be the Spirit doing the permitting. All right, but the bottom line is he has a will, he forbids, and I think you can see possibly the idea here that he permits. Does that make sense? All right. Uh. He speaks. The Holy Spirit speaks. There's a lot of uh, examples of this. All right. Are you ready? Here we go. Acts 8.29. He spoke to Philip in the desert. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. The Spirit speaks. Acts 10.19. He speaks to Peter, or I'll I'll read the the verse. While Peter thought on the vision, the Spirit said unto him, Behold, three men seek thee. Right, that's Acts 10.19. So he speaks to Philip in the desert, that's Acts 8.29. He speaks to Peter on a housetop, that's Acts 10.19. And then look at Acts 13.2. I quote, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the works whereunto I have called them. He speaks to some of the elders in Antioch. Then, uh, Revelation 2, Revelation chapter 2 through 3, on no less than seven occasions, one to each church, do we read these words, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. That's Revelation 2. And all the way to Revelation chapter 3, he says it how many times? Seven times. Let you hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. So he speaks to Philip, or he spoke to Philip, he spoke to Peter, he spoke to elders in Antioch, and he spoke to the seven churches in Asia Minor. But again, I would argue that speaking is no longer occurring. And the reason I know, I don't think it's occurring, because if the Spirit is still speaking to me and giving me direct information, then what do I not need? Why do I need this? And if the Spirit is speaking to you, and the Spirit is speaking to me, I would think in 2,000 years of church history, there is one thing the Spirit should be speaking. Some doctrinal truth so that we could all believe the same doctrines, right? Clearly that's not happening. Right. He may be that people like, well, I felt the spirit told me who to marry. The spirit told me where to move. The spirit told me where to park my car. Why is he telling you those things? Tell you what the correct interpretation is of everything in the Bible. Right. Baptism, Lord's Supper. Right. But no, he doesn't do that. So I, I believe that his spirit, his speaking ministry ended with the completion of what? Because here, he has spoken. It's done, it's recorded, because this, uh, the inspiration of the Bible comes through the work of the Holy Spirit. Right? So he has spoken once and for all. All of these occurrences happen before the completion of this. All right? But the fact that he speaks shows what? Personhood, per- personality. Okay, So let's go through these again. He has a mind. He searches out the mind. He has a will, he forbids, appears to permit oh, you can put a question mark by that one. He speaks, and we went through all of those. All right? Next, he loves. Romans 15:30. Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake, and for the love of the Spirit, that ye strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. That's Romans 15:30. It is wonderful to know that each believer is loved by the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. All three love. All three love. Because God is love. So, all, obviously, all three members of the Trinity love. All right? So, he loves. That's, again, showing what? Person, as a person. Okay? A personality. All right? Next, he grieves. Ephesians 4.30. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. The command here is literally, stop grieving the Holy Spirit of God. In a sense, they were already doing it. All right. Next, one more. You ready? He prays. Romans 8.26, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray, for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Right? Everybody got that? So he prays. So what are all the things that demonstrate that he has personality? What are they? Number one, Mind, number two, searches out, number three, will, number four, say that, forbids, Forbids. number five, seems to uh, permit, next, speaks, loves, grieves, and prays, alright, everybody got, all of that shows the personality of the Holy Spirit, I believe your dictionary, Sarah, It talks about the personality of the Holy Spirit. You can look to see if they offer anything different if you want. uh, So you can add to it. So the personality of the Holy Spirit. All right? Everybody got that? Okay, now, if we go from the personality of the Holy Spirit, remember we looked at the uh, doctrine of the Trinity in the Westminster Confession? It gave us the idea that He's a person. What else did it give us? I, I pointed them out right before we started. The deity, right? Because he's called God the Holy Spirit, yes? So if we've demonstrated the personhood of the Holy Spirit, there's no question about that. That's not a mindless force, agreed? Well, then what do we need to prove next? The deity of the Holy Spirit, and that's what we're going to do next. And I'm going to give you one, two, three, four, five, six... At least six is really more, but it'll be basically six ways of trying to prove the deity of the Holy Spirit. Now, if if in some sometimes in Bible college this would occur. All right, today we're going to, we are going to study the deity of the Holy Spirit, and the way we're going to do this is you have one hour to prove to me the Holy Spirit is God or the Holy Spirit is the deity of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you were tasked to prove that. What would you start looking for to try to prove that the Holy Spirit, the deity of the Holy Spirit? I'm trying to say it correctly. Okay. I think think that'd be complicated to do. There we go. We have to see if he has the same attributes as God. If he has the same attributes as God, he would have to be what? God, he'd have to be deity, right? All right, so. Well, well, there are, but we're going to do it this way first, and then we'll see. Keep those verses in mind, because we may look at them, and we may come across them in doing this, but I want you to look at the attributes. So are you ready? All right, what's, start naming me some attributes of God. Okay, holy. Next. Eternal. All-knowing. All-powerful. One more. Oh, something about his presence. Okay, omnipresent, omnipresent. Let's start with he is omnipresent. All right, omnipresent. And here's uh, one, Psalm 139, 7. Whether shall I go from thy spirit or whether shall I flee from thy presence? And this Psalm, David concludes it was impossible for him to escape God's spirit. This was true even if he ascended to the heights, descended into the depths, traveled across the sea, or surrounded himself with darkness. Again, whether shall I go from thy spirit, or where shall I flee from thy presence. What's another way to show he's his omnipresent? What's, what would be a better way, maybe, to prove that he's omnipresent? This is a decent way, but what would be a better way? What well, would be a good way to prove that the Holy Spirit is omnipresent? There we go. He says to indwell us. Well, if he indwells all believers, he has to be more than in one place at one time, right? Right? Now that doesn't may, that may not be able to prove complete omnipresence, but it's pretty close, right? If a person in China is a Christian and they have the Holy Spirit and I'm here in Texas and someone else is another, that, that would be the Holy Spirit in three different places, all indwelling that person, that would be, require some kind of supernatural presence, right? So that would be a good way of understanding it, but they, they just use that one right there, but I think, I think you get the idea, all right? What would be another attribute? Omnipresent, omniscient. 1 Corinthians two ten through 11 But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Who knows the things of God? The Spirit of God. And what does God know? All things. Therefore the Spirit knows all things. All right. So that's uh, so he's um, omnipresent. He's omniscient, 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. What else do we need? He's omnipotent. All right. And where do you think we could go with being omnipotent? Now, this one is a little bit, there's some dispute on this verse. Okay. I think Psalms. Well, they go to a, a pretty obvious one. The only problem is not everyone thinks it should be translated this way. But we'll go here, Genesis, the book of Genesis, to creation. Everybody know this verse? And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, demonstrating Now, some people believe that's a wind and shouldn't be translated spirit. We can get into a discussion. But the argument, if God is there, if the spirit is there at creation and involved in it, what kind of power is involved to create and bring everything into existence? All-powerful. And if the spirit was involved in creation, then he's all-powerful. Now, immediately, we need to understand this. This is where I get so frustrated with Christians. If I'm indwelt with the Holy Spirit and he's empowering me, logical progression of thought would require how much power is he giving me? All power, because what? if he is a person indwells me, and he's all powerful, does he hold back some power? I should be able to do everything Samson did, Right? Okay, even if we don't want to say I should have supernatural ability, I, the least I should be able to do is know the, be able to give a perfect understanding of the Bible without any problem, right? I should know Greek and Hebrew just like that, because the originals were written in Greek and Hebrew, So I just, and throw in Aramaic, so I should know those three languages. Just it, I didn't even need to look up the Blue Letter Bible app and mispronounce a Greek word. I should just know it. And what else should I be able to do? Stop sinning. So it's really weird that the people are like, the Spirit is all powerful and He indwells in me and I don't have the ability to do... I mean, some people have a hard enough time to have the ability to stay up past 9 o'clock at night. I mean, give me a break. Some people have a hard enough time reading their Bible without falling asleep for crying out loud. Isn't it weird? Like, we have this power! And then... That's, you, you have the power of God in you. <laughs> You're a powerful person, right? You fall asleep at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. <laughs> I don't know what to do with you, right? You get tired walking up one flight of steps, but you have the power. And i say, well, no, that's not the kind of power. Then what kind of power? What kind of power does the Holy Spirit have? Look, the people who claim we have the power are the ones who have to explain to me the lack of evidence for said power. Amen? All right. So, to prove his deity, he is omnipresent, he is omniscient, he is omnipotent. What else? Okay, well, let's go with eternal first. Let's go with eternal. Eternal. Hebrews 9.14, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit, offered himself without spot to God, purge your constance from dead works, to serve the living God? That's Hebrews 9.14. He is eternal. And again, if he's mentioned in Genesis 1, and he's mentioned in Revelation, I think we could say that that would be a good indicator of eternal. Now, you could argue that he was created by God and do the whole Arius you know, from Arianism, but we, we get the, I mean, that he did that more with the Son than the Spirit. I don't think there's ever been a dispute that the Holy Spirit is eternal. I think everyone has agreed with that throughout church history. They've called into question Jesus Christ's eternal eternality, but not the eternality of the Spirit. All right? Then, he is called God. According to the, the scriptures they use, is Acts 5 3 through 4. All right, but Peter said to Ananias who, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land while it remained it was, was it not thine own and after it was sold was it not thine own power why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart thou hast not lied unto men but unto God who did he say they lied to first the Holy Ghost and then just in the same breath Referred to the lying being unto God. I think think that's a possible reference to the Holy Spirit being God. Someone may argue to try to draw some distinction there, but I think it fits perfectly. All right? Anybody got a better scripture where he's referred to as God? Anybody got a better one? If you do, please let me know what it is, and we'll, we'll, we'll at least include it. See if we have one. No. All right. So we're going to go with that one. Okay. Did you say something about him being worshipped? Okay. What? What? What do you have for that? Uh, worship and homage belongs only to God and are paid to the Holy Spirit. Acts 28, 25, 27. Okay. let uh, Let's look at that one. Acts twenty-eight. You said 25 through 27. Alright, let's look at this one. Acts 28. Okay, I'm going to read it from this translation. Acts 8 or Acts 28, starting in verse 25. Disagreeing among themselves, they begin to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah, when he said. Go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of this people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they may see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known unto you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Is that the passage? Yeah, that one doesn't, I don't, see, that's why we have to look things up that's mentioned in dictionaries, okay? Yeah, I'm going to have a hard time with that one. You got a better one? This is to show that the Holy Spirit basically receives the same worship as God. Which would be pretty good, but I mean, the fact that he's referred to God is pretty much settles the case, but. All right, they said 2 Corinthians 13, uh, verse 14. I don't think there's 14 verses in 2 Corinthians 13, is there? Okay, and my Bible, the last verse is verse 13. Okay, hang on, let me look in a different one. All right, let me look at, okay, what's wrong with that Bible, okay? All right, hang on, let's look here, all right? Okay, hang on. Uh, I want to see. I want to see why my the numbering is different. Okay, this one has verse 14. What happened to verse 14? They have that listed as 13. That's weird. Hmm. Okay. All right. Verse 14, uh, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Ghost be with you all. Amen. Yeah, now they're all connected there. It doesn't necessarily have him being receiving worship. All right, so not. Not a great idea. So, we're not going to write that one down. 14 was added by oh, 14 was added by editors. All right. See, so I have the right Bible, and y'all have the ones that have been edited, okay? That's the problem. Okay, all right. I was like, where, where, where do we get that? Okay. So, let's go through what, again, to show the deity of the Holy Spirit, what have we seen? Let's go through the ones that we do have omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, eternal, and it's called God. All right? Now, we could try to go through to show how he's made equal with the Father. That's more trying to get into the the Trinity, and I don't want to go so much into that. Clearly, he he has the attributes of God in enough cases. Now, we could say, Bobby said one of the attributes of God is holy, and the Holy Spirit is called holy. I mean, so, I mean, that would be uh, one that right there. I mean, he's mentioned holy multiple times. So, I don't think we would have a problem there, all right? So far, so good? Yes? All right. Now, let's look at names and titles of the Holy Spirit. Names and titles of the Holy Spirit. All right. Oh, there's a lot of them. We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13. All right, actually, okay, well, they don't don't refer to the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost as one of those names, so we could put Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost as two of the names. Uh, This is what they say here. Often in the scriptures, one may learn much about someone simply by studying the names and titles given to that person. So it is with the Holy Spirit. The 13 titles ascribed to him provide much insight. And to the true nature. All right? So these are the ones they give. Are you ready? They, they don't list Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost in this list. I don't know why. Because he's called Holy Spirit and Holy Ghost multiple times. Correct? Yes? So it's weird that they leave them out here. But that's okay. Here we go. The first one they have is the Spirit of God. 1 Corinthians 3.16 Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. It's referred to as the Spirit of God. 3.16. All right? Now, this is important for those listening online doing the topical study. You may want to be writing these down because if you're going to find all the verses that relate to the Holy Spirit, you've got to get all of these that uses his different titles for the Holy Spirit. All right? So, first one is the Spirit of God. The second one is the Spirit of Christ. Romans 8.9. But you are not in the flesh but in the spirit if so be that the spirit of God dwell in you now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he is none of his there he's called the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ in the same verse right spirit of God spirit of Christ the next one is the eternal spirit that's Hebrews 9:14 which we've already read the eternal spirit Next, he's referred to as the spirit of truth. Howbeit, when the spirit of truth is come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Please note, that's uh, John 16, 13, that everyone quotes that he's going to lead us into all truth. Now he's going to lead us into all truth. According to this, what else is he going to do? He's going to show you things to come. Now, who is that? Clearly, that's a reference to the apostles and the disciples who wrote scripture that contained prophecies about the future. Right? I mean, come on. I I don't know how you can apply that to us. Uh, I'll never, sometimes I'll never understand. But okay. So, the names and titles first, Spirit of God. Second, Spirit of Christ. Third, Eternal Spirit. Next, Spirit of Truth. The next, the Spirit of Grace. I'll read from Hebrews 10:29. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye shall shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under the foot of the son of god and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and hath done despite and done despite unto the spirit of grace. Hebrews 10:29. Next the spirit of glory. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part, uh, he is evil spoken of, but not on your part. He is glorified. 1 Peter 4.14. 1 Peter 4.14. Spirit of glory. Next, the spirit of life. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Romans 8, 2. The spirit of life. All right, let's repeat these, make sure we're all on the same page. First title or name, spirit of God. Second, spirit of Christ. Third, eternal spirit. Next, spirit of truth. Next, spirit of grace. Next, spirit of glory. Next, spirit of life. The next one, Ephesians 1.17. I quote, let's see if you can hear it. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The spirit of wisdom and revelation. Just note, some would dispute this one because in Ephesians 1.17 in some translations, spirit is not capitalized. Sometimes people make a big deal out of that. Sometimes they don't. All right? Just so that you know. there's Some say, well, if it's not capitalized, it's not the Holy Spirit. But then others say, well, it doesn't always work that way in the Greek. So you can can draw your own conclusions there. Okay? Next. Well, you know we're missing one. Everybody should know this one. But the comforter... Which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send, John 14:26, the Comforter. He's called the Comforter. Next, the spirit of promise, Acts 1, four through five, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith, you have heard of me, for John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. I'm not a fan of this one, because they said, wait for the promise. He's not recalled the spirit of promise there. So I don't like this one. You can write it down. I would reject it. All right, if, I, if you've turned it into me, I'm going to be like, that scripture does not call him the spirit of promise. If you're going to say it's a title or a name, he's got to be called it. Not, well, they mentioned promise and spirit in the same verse. Okay? That's not how we do so. All right? does, that, does that make sense? Right, so I would reject this one. All right? Next, the spirit of adoption. Uh, Romans 8.15 for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. All right? 8.15. 8.15. Next, the spirit of holiness. Romans 1.4. And declared to be the spirit of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. All right, next, you ready? The spirit of faith. We, have, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. 2 Corinthians 4.13. All right, now the reason they went with the spirit of promise, and this makes me mad, is because they wanted 13. Because they're getting ready to give us the emblems or what's used as symbols of the Holy Spirit and they have 13. So they wanted 13 and 13. Okay? That drives me crazy. Okay? Who cares if the numbers match? Right? That's just so ridiculous. Right? That's so ridiculous. So, um, yeah, I probably probably got that one wrong on a test because I probably did not write it down because I'm like, I'm not going to put the Spirit of Promise because he's not called that. Right? And I probably got it wrong. Okay? But that's okay. But because there's no way I'm gonna write that down. He's not called the spirit of promise. For me to write that down would just be fraudulent, okay? But it drives me crazy. All right. So what have we got so far? We've got the personality. Yes? We got the deity. And we got the names and titles. But what's the two names and titles that we probably most most importantly need to make sure we have down? Holy Spirit. Holy Ghost. Alright? For example, in the New Testament alone, there are some 261 passages that refer to the Holy Spirit. He is mentioned 56 times in the Gospels, 57 times in the Book of Acts, 112 times in the Pauline Epistles, and 36 times in the remaining New Testament. Now, that's a lot. Okay? That's a lot. The main thing I want you to see is there's a lot of references to the Holy Spirit. Okay. Now, I'm not saying that in every one of those cases it's using that exact phrase, but it's referring to the Holy Spirit's person. I don't care about writing those numbers down. Just to show you, it's used a lot. In fact, if you want, grab the Blue Letter Bible app and just write, type in Holy Ghost for the, and search whole Bible and just tell me how many is there for Holy Ghost. And you want to write these down for names and titles. Even though they left them out, we have to write these down. Just type in Holy Ghost... Make sure you're searching the whole Bible and tell me what you find. Now, some of those references may not be perfect because it just may have the word holy and ghost in the same verse. But I think for the most part, it's going to have the title Holy Ghost. See what you find. See if we have agreement here. Okay, 89. That's the New Testament or the whole Bible? Okay, that's the whole Bible. Eighty-nine. Anybody else got something different? Because Holy Ghost may not be used in the Old Testament. Okay. Yeah, okay, yeah, right. Yeah, Holy, I, I, Holy Ghost is not used in the Old Testament, but I still wanted you to do the search. So, eighty-nine times. So, write down Holy Ghost as a name and title, right? And the first time it's used in Matthew, what? One, one eighteen, yeah, and you can put Matthew one eighteen down as your reference. So Holy Ghost, Matthew one eighteen. Write that down if you're taking notes. And then next Holy Spirit. Do a search for Holy Spirit, and again, church, check the, for the whole Bible because this one is used in the Old Testament. Eighty nine for Holy Ghost. That's just the New Testament alone. Yeah, the Holy Holy Spirit used. Use less. King yeah, King, yeah, King James. Other translations use Holy Spirit, I think, more than Holy Ghost, but okay. And 21 times. And what's the first reference to Holy Spirit? The first split, uh, I'm say Psalm 5111. Yeah, 51.11, that's what I was going to go with. Psalm 51.11. Does it actually use the term Holy Spirit? Yeah, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Right. Psalm 51.11. Is Holy Spirit. So write down Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit as titles. I don't know why they leave that out because they're trying to they were trying to get the perfect thirteen, okay, which is just ridiculous. Oh, if you skip, okay, I guess maybe you would. Yeah, maybe you would. All right, but I still think you need those two titles down because that's how they're most frequently referenced, right? Yes, they're most frequently ref. or they, when I don't know why I'm saying they. The Holy Spirit is most frequently referenced by one of those titles, Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. I don't know why I'm referring to the Holy Spirit as plural, Okay, but you get the idea. All right. Does that make sense? All right, now, we're going to have to stop there, but the next thing we're going to look at is what they refer to as emblems of the Holy Spirit. Right? These are emblems or symbols used to say, that's a reference to the Holy Spirit. For example, a dove, or water. OK? Or light, or a seal. You get the idea? right? OK? Um, yeah. And then wind, fire. You get the idea. There's a there's a number of these here. So I'm not going to go. Oil is another one. Okay, but you get the idea. All right. You don't have to write those down. Now we'll cover them. But these are all symbols. Now this gives us the what have we what have we seen tonight? The personality, the deity, and the names. Okay. Now some people don't like to go through all of that because they don't care. But this at least proves. That the Holy Spirit is God, third person of the Trinity, and has a personality, not just a mindless force, right? Speaks, does those things, and that the Holy Spirit has certain titles. And those titles gives us some idea maybe about what he does. But let me state it again. The Holy, I I I know, I know someone's gonna get mad when I say this, but I think we have to realize the ministry of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, people always quote this idea that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When we say that he's the same, he's the same in his essence, he's the same in his attributes, he's the same in his nature, doesn't mean he does the exact same things, right? Is he currently dwelling on earth in the Shekinah glory inside a temple or tabernacle? No. Is he currently telling us to sacrifice animals? No. Is he currently uh, pouring out plagues in some supernatural way like in Exodus? No. There's plenty of things he's not doing now like he did then, right? Is he currently walking on earth in bodily form? No. Okay, so, when we say that he's the same yesterday and today forever, we're saying that he remains the same character. His word remains the same. Does that make sense? So, that means it is possible that the Holy Spirit ministered or operated in certain ways in the past that he is not in the present. And I think that specifically, I mean, put it this way, how, what gave Samson his strength? The Spirit of God came upon him. Now, We believe the Spirit of God just doesn't come upon us, it's in us. That means we should be in a better shape than Samson. Right? Has anybody done anything Samson has pulled off? Meaning the Holy Spirit's not doing. There we go. That begins to prove it right then and there. Because everyone wants to say, no, 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 we can heal just like they can heal by the power of the Holy Spirit. And they can make all their claims about healing. Forget that. Show me you can do what Samson did. That can be clearly proven, right? Because you can make all your fraudulent claims about healing, but this could be easily identified, right? Right? They can't do what Samson did. So meaning Samson's that spirit's not operating in the same way. And so, therefore, I don't think he's operating. Here's what I would say. He's not operating the way he did in Samson. He's not operating the same way and giving us illumination, knowledge, and leading us into all truth because we could clearly identify that. And I will call into question how much power he's giving us. Because if he's giving me power, then... I mean, we should be close to, I mean, I I don't know how you can say he gives you power to overcome sin, and yet you're not perfect. That's the most contradictory thing I've ever heard. I have the omnipotent spirit of God indwelling in me, but I can't be sinless. Maybe he's indwelling in me, but he's not empowering me. Because if he was empowering me, then I could do what? Stop sinning. Agreed? So I'm going to call it into question. I know I'm going to get 900 emails and people like, no, no, no. Look, if you think he's empowering you, just prove it to everybody. Just be better than everyone else, okay? And congratulations. Maybe one day I'll get the same power you have and I can be as good as you are, okay? Pray for me that I'll get the same power you have. But you know how many whole charismatics have walked around talking about all the power and look at all the scandals that have happened in the charismatic world? And 2,000 years, the church hit, well, they, they weren't around for 2,000 years, but you get the idea. Since 1900, there has been scandal after scandal after scandal. Southern Baptists walking around. We've got the Holy Spirit. He empowers us. What just dropped the horrible report about all of the sexual abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention and the cover-ups that occurred? Whoa, so much power. So I think that sooner or later you got to go ah, because that's an arrogant thing to say that you have so much power. And again, all you got to do, if you have kids, just let me talk to your kids because they'll probably let me know that you don't have as much power as you think you have. they are probably like mom and dad. Yeah, they they talk a big game, but wait till you get them in this situation or this situation or wait till the, what they hurt to what they said about you, pastor. You would be really shocked. Okay, um, and true. And that's, oh, me, for all of us. So I just think that it's important. To, we're, I mean, we're going to have to deal with the passages that seem to indicate different than what I'm saying. But I'm just saying that whatever we see, we, ha- we can't deny reality. Right? I can't just say, oh, that's got to be true. I have to go, hmm, I don't know. Because, again, I do know he's not, I, put it, I guarantee you he's not giving me the power of Samson. And I know he's not leading us into all truth because I got 2,000 years to show that he isn't. If I can prove that those two things are not happening, I think I can be able to prove the other things are not happening. Which then indicates what is he doing? Right? I know he's interceding. And I know he's sealing me. All right? So those are, and I know he's indwelling me. Right? So, there, like, In other words, we're going to figure out what we know he does and then be maybe some will put in the question mark category and others we're just going to have to say, clearly not happening. I think it's either going to be happened in the past, not happening in the present, mm, we don't know what's going on and clearly this is happening. And that's how we're going to have to break it down because that's what everyone's going to want to get to. But we've got to go through all of these other things first. All right, let's stop. Lord God, we come before you this evening. I hope this is somewhat beneficial. I know it didn't get to the controversial parts or the exciting parts in some people's mind, but it got to the very important part of helping us understand the Holy Spirit, one God, three distinct persons, co-equal and co-eternal, help us never stop confessing and believing that very important truth so that we correctly understand you, understand the Son, and understand your Holy Spirit. And we're thankful for One God, and we just ask that you give us greater understanding on this very important topic. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And God's people said,